Welcome to the Made for Memories podcast, where we explore the sport and business of fishing and the great outdoors in Canada. Presented by Len Thompson and Northern King Lures. Here are your hosts, brother and sister duo, Brad Pallister and Jessica Pallister Dew. Hey, Jess. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Going good. Hey, we're almost at 10 episodes. Are we? Is this number yeah. nine? Yeah, I think so. Does that make us professional podcasters now? Are we there yet? You have to be paid to be professional, right? Well, I don't, I don't think I don't think that the podcast is earning us any dollars. That's true. I mean, we're not Joe Rogan here, right? No. Not, not yet. Not yet. You never know. Soon. Maybe this will be our big diversification project. Yeah. We're always talking about diversifying our company and our offerings. Yeah. Multimedia, okay. mod- multimedia moguls. Yeah. We're going to okay. be like Don Lamont. Yeah. Yeah. Like Don. Yeah. It's going to be that'd, your- be, that'd be a good, good, uh, that'd be a good guy to be like. Not bad. I mean, you, you took your first step. You just got back from a fishing trip. I did. I had a, I had an adventure. What was your adventure? We, uh, one of my pals had his 40th birthday and he really wanted to go on a, on a helicopter fishing trip. So we went out to Nordegg and we got on a, got on the chopper and eight minutes later, over some mountain ranges, we were at Lake of the Falls, which is a, a beautiful, I guess it'd be snow fed uh, lake, stocked with cutthroat trout. And we got there at nine and we walked around the whole pond. Uh, we got to the, to the takeoff spot at 7 p.m. and it was an awesome adventure. We had a. How big's the pond up there? Well, it's a lake. It took us all day to walk around. Oh, okay. But we were we weren't like hustling. We were leisurely fishing along the way. But yeah, we had. It was just a beautiful day, and the mountains were awesome. And I never did give you those pictures to throw them on social media, but they will eventually be on our social media. So. Um. We caught a bunch of cutthroat trout. We had a little fire and we made fire like fish like men and we ate fish like men. Very very manly trip. Yes. (laughs) So it was fun. Awesome. Do you still want to be a helicopter pilot when you grow up? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It was only the second time I've been on a helicopter, but it's still what I want to be when I grow up. Mm. And it really wasn't that expensive. I mean, well, it depends on what you consider expensive, but with four guys, it was $300 each. So. Well, I mean, a, a guided fishing tour is around that, if not a little bit more for a day. So I think a guide is probably more around the five, $600. Yeah. So if you're um, just looking for an experience and kind of a DIY thing, I mean, it, it's not too difficult to catch fish up there probably because it's not 
um, super fished. You were telling me that the hike to get in there, cause you can hike up there is 21 kilometers. Like it's a full marathon yeah. to hike up there. Half yeah. marathon, I guess. Half. Yeah. Yeah. Uphill. Uphill. And then downhill. Or you could pay $300 and it takes you eight minutes. Yeah. Right yeah well, was, awesome. Good for you. Yeah. It was really cool. I, I, I'd highly recommend it. I, I don't, I'm not sure, not sure why I never did it before. But. Well, uh, today we have a very interesting guest. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, Dustin. All right, folks. So I would like to introduce our guest today, Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes of Lucky Strike Bait Works. Dustin is a fourth generation owner of his family operated lure manufacturing business located out of Peterborough, Ontario. And although people might find it a bit odd that we were speaking to a competitor today, let me just say that Dustin is an industry friend and a heck of a nice guy. Welcome, Dustin. Yeah, that's a very nice introduction. <laughs> so, uh, Dustin, we have some pretty wild parallels um, between our two companies, including the fact that they both started in 1929. So I would like to start this off by having you tell us a little bit about your company and company's history. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, I often joke that we're right Twix and left Twix, like those commercials saying. <laughs> completely different but on the other side of the country and doing the same thing our paths are so similar it's wild um, but I can tell you our, our business started when my great-grandfather got laid off in the auto industry back in the Great Depression so he was back here in Peterborough fishing and making his own wooden plugs so it started with the wooden based lures and um, we we're actually the Bank of Montreal's first commercial account in Peterborough Back in 1929, he borrowed $75 and hired two high school kids and they started turning wooden plugs and selling them along the riverbanks. And uh, one of our mutual friends and customers, I think Direct Factory Sales actually was responsible for seeing them in a barber shop and then giving them a big enough order to, uh, to start the business. So it became his full-time job from there. And, almost a hundred years later, it's pretty wild to see what it's been able to sustain over the years and grow, but still making the same wooden lures. Don't sell many of them, but the <laughs> guys are still there. Dustin and I, um, I think the first time we met, correct me if I'm wrong, was it at the fishing holes little consumer trade show that they had in Alberta? It probably was, yeah. That was one of the most fun fishing shows ever. I think, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this is because how well you took it. But there was a guy who came past our booth and uh, he, uh, he came past our booth and he said, I got to show you guys something. And he rolls up his sleeve and he has a big yellow and red five of diamonds. And I said, that's awesome, man. He's like, yeah, I love Len Thompson. I said, can you do me a huge favor? He says, what? I said, can you go down to that Lucky Strike booth and say, this is a Len Thompson, not a Lucky Strike. <laughs> do you remember that? I vaguely remember that. I, uh, <laughs> I've seen, I remember the tattoo. I've seen a couple guys with the half wave tattoo too. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was my retort. It was like, oh, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you took it so well. And then we've been friends kind of ever since then. It's um, usually make time at all the shows because we go to the same shows together and we, our families are kind of the same age and nice young to get kids. together and have a whiskey after the show. Yep, exactly. So uh, several years, a few years back, we, my husband and I and our son were at a wedding in Toronto and we were headed up north and passing Peterborough and I um, said to my husband hey like do you mind if we we call Dustin from Lucky Strike and you know stop and have lunch or whatever and he was so legitimately confused as to why we had such a friendship as competitors I said oh no you'll understand you'll understand you'll understand as soon as we get there and and he did you showed us the factory we had a really nice lunch um, and I remember though, on that five of diamonds topic, you were touring me around the paint booths and you like discreetly moved in front of the five of diamonds mask. You're like, Oh, don't pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an ongoing joke with us, but yes. Thank you for still accepting me. <laughs> I remember, I think what was it one time in, in Vegas at the show, you tried to talk to my dad about how, you know, Len Thompson and the five of diamonds and this, and then. I remember coming back from Vegas and him coming, walking around the shop and gathering up all the five of diamonds stuff and putting it in a box and saying, mail this to Brad. Why? Why? He had a real inside joke with me, I guess, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was, he was trying to prove a point that it, uh, the five of diamonds is made by many manufacturers, not just lucky strike. <laughs> you guys really nailed it though. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, first, the first invoice, the five of diamonds came out on our records on 56, 57 feet, somewhere around there, Brad. No, uh, uh, 1949 is oh, the yeah. first, is this is the first invoice we have. Yeah. And the first one was actually uh, yellow and black diamonds. That was the first five of diamonds. And then yellow and red came somewhere. I that's maybe where you're thinking the fifties and the yellow and red came kind of somewhere in the fifties. So mm. there you go. So, but since then it's caught millions and millions of fish and been one of the most popular lures ever. So yeah. Yeah. Len, Len did, Len did something good. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jess toured your factory. I still haven't toured your factory. That's no. uh, that's that's all right. I'm not I'm not that hurt about it. I haven't, I haven't showed you mine either. So no, that's true. Well, next time you're around, you know, feel free to pop in. But back to Jess's story. We were in that restaurant last week or so, and still burnt in my mind. Jess, I was, I was, I played it cool at the time too, but I was mortified of Max's ability to drink about ten ounces of ketchup into a glass of water <laughs> you're like don't judge me this is how you raise kids and you i said oh yeah i said not judging and i totally judged you but now i i get it i had two little kids there in the restaurant i was like yeah i get you'll do anything to get them to <laughs> let you get through your meal he's still like, obsessed with ketchup although yeah. water that's pretty gross yeah i had never seen that move before but it, he loved it and we were able to have a good conversation and carry on with our lunch. But I did, I didn't forget that moment. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have given you such a preemptive lesson on um, interesting parenting techniques. Yeah, I think I just had a newborn at the time and now I have two boys. I get it. The toddlers. Yeah, it's just like, it's not a screen, but it's something to keep them entertained. It's not going to kill them, right? 
No, he's probably a little dirt never home. hurt. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of family, not just young kids, but just family in general, you have a lot of people involved in your family business. Can you tell us a little bit about who's involved and what they do in your organization? My mom, who um, is here now part of the week, she's CFO. Let's make sure she keeps everything in order. My dad is in um, retired stage, but uh, in a lot. So I still lean on getting their help because why wouldn't it be perfect to have their help in here and all the knowledge. So I'm not sure what his position is now, but he's definitely here, jack of all trades, helping keep everything going a couple of days a week. And my aunt Diane is really like office admin sales manager. So there's the four of us that really hold the fort down. I'm lucky enough. My um, grandpa Bill is still, he's the same age as the company and he still comes in time to time and just likes to chit chat with people and all of the things he would have hated to see happen while he was on his watch. Um, but great to see him come in and uh, still get along with, there's a lot of staff for over 40 years here that just love to see him whenever he comes in. So, Tell us more about the factory because <clears throat> there's really only three of us left in Canada of size that, that yeah. manufacture in Canada. There's us, Brex and Quebec and, and yourselves. So tell us, uh, tell us about the factory. Tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about how many people you have there, what you build, all that sort of fun stuff. About 20 people. Uh, the back of the factory is all filled up with aluminum tube and it's sort of all fabricated into the nets. So it only takes about a, a quarter of the factory size, but storing the nets takes a lot of room, but we've got everything where we're bending the hoops and putting the mesh on. So that's all at the back of the factory. Then we've got all the metal stamping and it feeds up into our plating area. We plate probably do the electroplating two days a week. Um, so it's not running all the time. It just kind of goes in large batches. And then down the one wall is all the paint booths. So the, plated lures feed over there, probably similar to your place, all the paint boots going. And then um, from there into assembly where we've got a blister wheel and all the packaging machine. So you're right, there's really not, um, I'm sure there's a lot of similarities between us and it's neat to see the the offshoot stuff where we've got the fishing nets and you've got the uh, the, the true north um, stuff. But uh, I can't wait for the day I go tour your facility and you can come here and see this and we'll be like, this is the same building. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it is similar. Yours, um, I don't know if you've made changes since when we were there, 2018, I think. Um, but uh, we don't have a plating facility here. We do, we outsource that one. I guess it, there's goods and bads. Big pain to keep it all maintained. And you kind of have to become a master of all these different things that I, you know, I didn't really realize I'd be that involved in electroplating as well as all the paints and mixtures and metal fabrication as much as I uh, thought I would, I would maybe spent more time in the tech wing at school. But uh, Tell us about the product line a little bit. Uh, I think the majority of it is made in Canada, the vast majority of it, but tell us about, tell us about Lucky Straight Big Horse as a, as a, as a product offering, I guess. As a product offering. Yeah. And going through the catalog gets a little bit overwhelming when it's like in this and this and this. Um, so it's, it's pretty much all the tackle we can think of. Like all of a sudden we get a request for spinner baits and then we're into the spinner baits side of business, but just in a small way. So the bread and butter has always been the spoons and the spinners and our fishing nets, but there's a lot of noise around that with having, um, even this year we introduced some soft plastic worms that one of the guy here, guys here, Jason's making. Um, so sure, let's put it in. 
I love to use them. Um, I buy other people. So if we can make it, let's do it, make it here. But um, just get sidetracked going down a road saying, yeah, let's add these, let's add these and try it out. And then it's so hard. I don't know if you find the same thing. It's so hard to discontinue something. I just feel like I'm upsetting somebody taking away something they're trying to get. And I hate to do that. So, okay, we'll keep doing it. And next thing you know, you have 2,500 products like we do. And uh, yeah, it's hard to chop anything. Now, before we purchased Northern King, we were kind of a bit of a weird duck in the industry in the sense that we didn't have that many SKUs. We had 20, 20 some colors and you know, 12 different sizes. And that was about it. And uh, so we've always kind of tried to, we, we dabbled in spinners in the eighties and it didn't fly as well. And so that was discontinuable before I got there. And, um, <clears throat> but it is hard to discontinue colors for sure. Now, since Northern King has come, we have like I don't know, 80 some colors in four different sizes. And, so, and the skew count has gone from this for the last 50 years to shooting up. And it's, uh, it's definitely a logistical, I, I couldn't imagine 2,500 skews, let alone, I don't know how many we have now, 450 or something like that. So but as you know, I mean, it's a lot of color variations on top of, you know, there might be 84 different spoons or something, but then times 50 colors or yeah but your northern king lineup yeah it's hard to keep up with those colors and that amount of you know your paint shop department just really loves you when you present the new ideas just like this <laughs> that. the yeah. uh, first time brad came out with a new product shortly after he joined the company was the lemon flame five of diamonds and i think he almost started a riot <laughs> yeah because we just did like he said we really didn't do anything new and now um now we have people experimenting with things, it seems like all the time. So uh, the Great Lakes guys certainly do like their colors. Right. Yes. I'm actually, I'm going out this Friday with a Great Lakes charger and yeah, said, get something green. Okay. What can I throw together? That's got some green. I'm sure I'm going to get there and say, oh, it's not the right type of green. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's it's not there's, greeny there's, enough. Yeah. yeah this is green. We've heard, we've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one one curiosity question because we've talked a little bit about the manufacturing in in uh, in Canada, which is the majority of your business. But tell us a little bit about the um, trials and tribulations of offshore um, sourcing, the differences of that, and the challenge of that, and maybe pros and cons, the cons of each, or yeah. yeah. Talk about you get them. Um, there's just certain things we don't have the expertise to, to make you see something and think, okay, if this can be made for me and we can help package it here, then that's great. But um, you get into that realm of things and boy, yeah, the problems we've had in the last two years with getting them, I find to sum the whole thing up, it seems like you sit on having 20,000 pieces in here and it's not the ones you want like you buy such volumes to get them here that you run out of it's just such a hard leg to get on top of that um, especially where we were able to buy stuff within six months kind of delivery turned into eight and it turned into one year and as soon as you're trying to guess what you need in more than a year and a half's time we have really good forecasting tools but it just it's really hard to predict year after year in our industry so huge benefits when we can have it half made sitting here and just be able to 
add the finishing touches and get it out there versus every time we have an order come in, if I'm telling someone, sorry, this is back ordered, it's because it's a product made outside of Canada. So it's been a battle and you try to, yeah, you know, kind of learn from your lessons and order more next year. And it seems like you finish the year off and be like, man, we ordered way too many of those. And it just goes back and forth with having not enough and then having too many. Certainly the world exploded this past year and anything coming in was uh, costing a ton of money and that causing a lot of headaches. So yeah, we're all lucky to be in the fishing industry and doing well, but we can sit back and thank God we have so many things we could make here too. So I had a lot of orders that went out that were only missing a couple of things, but it still bugged me that we were missing them. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, kind of the explosion of growth in our industry, I mean, we were one of the very fortunate ones that um, did well because people were looking for things to do close to home. Um, and now that's definitely scaling back. Obviously, both of our companies are interested in attracting new anglers and making sure they have resources and something that I believe your dad is heavily invested in, and I'm not so much sure if you are personally as well, is the Keep Canada Fishing Project. Do you know anything about that or would you like to share a little bit about, you know, what that does to attract people to our sport? Yeah, I think it's done very well. Um, a guy locally here, Mike Melnitz, um, helped to promote it. He used to be a radio broadcaster here, so he has lots of ties within um, the radio community. So what I see mostly as uh, a large part of what their project is, is getting the word out there on the radio saying this is the national license free weekend and here's where you you know when you should be getting out so try to get the young kids to do it or you know some new canadians and people that would be new to england but funny to see all the efforts they put in over the decade in hitting with these radio ads and working tirelessly trying to promote the sport and then all of a sudden you get something like uh, what the pandemic was and just the numbers exploded people out there getting involved so it was like 30 licenses yeah, so many more fishing licenses sold. Um, I forget the stats on it, but yeah, just an explosion of it. And we know these people will stick around. There were so many people that got into it that um, they'll stick around for years and and hopefully did a really good job of promoting, getting it, getting fishing rods and lures in the hands of young kids, which you guys strive to do a lot and, and we do as well. And the Keep Canada Fishing Arm that's um, sort of exists between all the companies to try and help promote it um, more through media outlets stuff that yeah yeah that's organized through the canadian sports fishing industry association yeah you know, dad was just able to uh, retire this year as the president of that after the last decade so yeah i saw we that. were we were heavily involved in it gets to be still involved but a little bit um, less involved rob walton from pure fishing is taking over so that's that's nice to see i was always sort of keeping an arm's distance because he worked so hard at it, someone had to run the factory at the same time. So it was quite great. Yeah. Great work. Well, not to intimidate you, Dustin, but you are looking at the uh, vice president of the Lacombe Fish and Game Association on that side of your screen. The first vice president. First, not second. He was second vice president last year. He got promoted. I did. Oh, first VP. Yeah, first VP. So, you know. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. 
Definitely around Lacombe. But it, yeah, around Lacombe. Yeah. But with the Lacombe Fishing Game, they put a ton of effort into developing local fishing opportunities. So developing yes. they have two fishing ponds in town, um, making sure they're well stocked, putting in new docks, um, just working on the infrastructure. So Brad's been pretty yes. passionate about that in the last couple of years. Yeah, I've, I've found it been, I, I kind of got talked into it because um, we were always like the, the kids fishing day was always done by the Lacombe Fishing Game Association, we supported it, but mm. sponsored it, but we didn't have anything to actively do with it. And then I got talked into being acclaimed in the second vice president. And I said, well, I'll do it, but I, I want to focus on the fish ponds and, you know, applying for some grants to get some new docks and things like that. And, and I found that I really liked it. I found it very rewarding and we had, we've had some pretty big improvements in, in the two ponds in town now. And um, they're nothing like they were six years ago, like nothing. Um, I always love when I see the, I've seen some of the social media stuff that you do with the, uh, the local pond, like the fact that you've got like that giant spoon and the pie, it's all great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to show you. I, we're, I'm very proud of like, very proud of it considering you know, six years ago, it was a stormwater pond at the end of a road with fish in it. And that's it. I don't even think they had benches there. And it should be a tourist attraction. It is. It is. Yeah, it, well, it is now. It's uh, And there's parking and uh, they're even paving the road this week, Jess. Right? I know. Yeah, it's all dug up. So, yeah. so anyways, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it can be very rewarding. And there is, I mean, I'm much more of a local level just in, but like what your dad was doing, I could see how rewarding it could be to, uh, to uh, try to really help sustain our, our industry by attracting new people to, to the sport. So. Yeah. We have some, we have some really good organizations with the, um, the MNR put out like a learn to fish. They started with a learn to camp where they taught um, people that were new to camping, how the basics went over. It went so well. They said, let's try and learn to fish. And it, took off like crazy so that, that was um that was really good to see them promoting it out there they were kids and they would travel around to different parks mostly the parks around ontario um we have ontario both AH, ontario federation of anglers and hunters that puts on a lot of kids events so there's some organizations locally around us that are doing huge effort things and uh, yeah it's all great. It's great to see. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing my part trying to get my two boys on the boat as much as I can. It's uh, maybe a little early in their life to be wanting to spend that much time on a boat. Speaking of that, I think it's about time that we get into rapid fire. Okay. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Dustin, are you familiar with the terms of rapid fire? I imagine I'm going to have to spit out some questions or answers pretty fast. 30 seconds. We'll get you put up on a clock. And the reason I'm shifting over is that the topic you just brought up is your first rapid fire question. So I'm going to get us set up here. All right. I'll ask the first one. How about that? All right. Okay. All right. Ready? You have two young boys. Have you got them into fishing yet? And if so, how have you introduced them into the sport? Yes, I've definitely got them out there. Um, 
I've introduced them to the sport by setting them up with the easiest setup I could possibly find a hook and a worm and a bobber. And we just sit on the shoreline and cast out or cast out from a dock. And yeah, it doesn't have to be a huge fish or a big fishing trip. They just love being out there and having to see the fish come out of the water. But yeah, I think they prefer catching smaller fish than when we've caught any bigger, bigger sized fish. They didn't do it. It's the nice thing Ontario has is you have crappies and bluegills and nice right. little, like a bunch of little fish. We don't have that in Alberta. So it's kind of, well, kinda it's a little hook and worm for the trout, right? You can pass it. Yeah. Yeah. Bobber and- yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We're just not quite as aggressive. Yeah. Like it's not that guaranteed. Right. Yeah. They're not sitting under the dock ready to bite. Yeah. yeah. That's true. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite fishing memory from within the last five years? Well, I'm lucky. I got to go up to Great Slave Lake and um, film a TV show with Italo and my father. And um, that was, yeah, it was an unbeatable trip of catching 16 pound lake trout every five minutes all day long um, and being able to cast anywhere on the lake and catch a fish. It was, um, that for me is a trip I won't be able to replicate or it'll be hard to re- try and repeat sometime in my life. So it's uh, that's my greatest memory of fishing question number three who is your favorite family member to work with go (laughs) who my aunt diane she's my favorite she's my family member i fight the least with (laughs) i would say or we've had the least amount of arguments with where i'm sure you've went through this you can get in a really heated debate with your father over a color it doesn't matter what it is we could argue over the color purple for some reason and then you stop and think why are we even what does it even matter but we both care so much i think that we can fight about anything so uh i might add diane's a little easier to work with question number four every once in a while there's a manufacturing blender one of my favorite stories from you is a promo item mishap of a certain pool floaty <laughs> Please tell that story and how you handled the outcome of that blender. 30 seconds. <laughs> I think I'm still dealing with the outcome of that blender. It was eight <laughs> years ago at least, but uh, yeah, you went with the classic red and white spoon and a <laughs> diamond spoon. Yellow red diamond was supposed to go up at a golf tournament, be displayed in the fairway that we were getting closest to the closest to the pool raft, I guess. But I still have the two versions of pool raft, but one just happens to be yellow with a white stripe. Um, went through all the hoops you should approved the right samples signed off and everything and then they still screwed it up in the end so i'm still handing out yellow pool wraps to all the kids derbies just for those yeah for those of you that don't know yellow yellow and white stripe is not a color in our industry does not seem to be popular amongst anyone no i know i suggest i thought you'd start pool wrap first and get the word out show everybody what it could look like and uh to this date, we've sold zero uh, yellow, white, striped lures. So, did you make some? No, no, it, the demand yeah. just doesn't seem to be there. <laughs> I suggested with enough of these pool wraps out there, someone might have requested it. But yeah, I suggested that you just build one and then give them, give them, buy a lure and get a free pool raft to get rid of them all. Yeah, no, they've just all been getting handed out for free. <laughs> that was a blunder. Yeah. <laughs> Question number five. Actually, preamble to this question. How long have you been with the family business now? 
well, I did it. It was my summer job, all of high school, stuff like that. But I mean, legitimately after university, uh, 2005. Okay. Okay. So since 2005, what is your most proud moment at the factory or in the business, I should say? In the business. Oh, and just watching the timer tick down here on this one. It's, uh, it's hard to celebrate those wins. You kind of, I find I keep chasing after the next one and not taking the time to reflect on it. So um, I think proudest moments is how we all got through the pandemic here, keeping the staff healthy and fulfilling orders as much as we could with limited materials. That was, if I had to look back on all that time, that was the wildest ride. So, but, you know, I'm thinking you're looking for uh, what did I bring to the business type accomplishment? Yeah, whatever. What are you most proud of? Yeah. Little improvements every day. Yeah. All right. Question number six. This one's a bit cheeky. Have you <laughs> have you ever fished with a Len Thompson lure? Oh, I always do a good job of trying to use my own to. Uh, but there was a pike tournament where a five of diamonds was on there that um, the guy that was in our boat had, and I wasn't going to tell him to change it. It was working. <laughs> I have not fished with a Lynn Thompson lure, but it's not to say I wouldn't. I just always happen to have a good arsenal of my own. Very diplomatic. Well done. <laughs> I'm glad the other guy's private diamond was working well. Yeah, Brock's was working, no problem. Question number seven. Uh, we get people asking us about spoons and bass, and it's not something we have... Uh, an easy time answering because there's no bass in our in our area so tell us about fishing bass in general and how how do you go about it uh, is spoons part of the arsenal spoons can be yeah two and a half inch spoon um, or two inch don't go too much smaller because then around here you start getting the smaller panfish stuff but uh, yeah it's a two and a half inch spoon I'll all your spoons would work for bass around here too, um, but you got to mix up. Sometimes they're not hitting spoons and then you throw worms and you throw spinners and spinner baits. It's, they seem to be a species of fish that there's endless amounts of ways you can fish for them. So there's no, uh, but you know, stay away from some of the big stuff. Then all of a sudden you get these pros down in the States that, use the spoon. I remember they were coming in here saying, you need to make a spoon that's, you know, six inches or five, like our giant canoe spoon, but it has to flutter when it hits the water. So it does this thing. You're kind of talking like a Northern King, like a, like a bigger spoon saying, well, what about this one? No, it can't be that one. What about this one? No, it can't be that one. So there's, there's lots of ways to, and there's tricks to get these big bass to hit, but I think they're so different. Like you find with trout too, like in different lakes around the province and country, you different techniques but yeah so so thank you for educating us uh you were six out of six for points positive but that's definitely a negative point on that one yeah <laughs> so the first round of whiskey is on you next time not a problem <laughs> didn't i get the last round we should be <laughs> well next one's yours too so i yeah, guess yeah. should have should have answered it in 30 seconds fair enough i guess uh this penalty i'll have to pay Number eight, any new projects on the horizon that you would like to share? Uh, yeah, non-competing wise, we're uh, some new nets that I think will be well-received. 
uh, new projects, nothing too huge, just status quo. You bring in a couple new products each year to get things a bit better. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back at the shows, showing people what we have, getting together with you guys. Um, I've tried to just have some exciting things with me for then, but it'll be like five to 10 new things. And the rest will be all the good stuff we normally do. Well done. Seven out of eight points. All right, Dustin, you had one last piece of homework. Did you prepare your favorite right. joke for us? All right, well, I'll go with the classics that my kids like. Where do fish sleep? In the riverbeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there's a couple of them out there. Keep it kid-friendly for the fishing jokes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time and your flexibility because we stood you up twice before this. Our well, I was starting to wonder whether it was just a ploy competitor versus competitor. We have this podcast. Could you just set aside Thursday afternoon and then cancel? Oh, we can't do it this week. Maybe <laughs> no, not this week. week. <laughs> Is your pricing due soon? Something? Yeah. No, I know you too. And I know you'd never do that. So I'm happy to, to join and can't wait to see you both in person next. So this is the next closest thing that just have to settle with this until October, probably. Fair enough. Well, uh, before we uh, let you go today, is there anywhere uh, where people find more information about Lucky Strike? Well, Lucky Strike, you can view us at luckystrikebaitworks.com. Um, check it out on social media stuff. But yeah, thanks so much, guys, for having me here today putting this on, you're doing a great job.